Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. I'm with the brother, another brother in the Lord, a minister up there in the church, and he was talking about an individual who is out of his mind, just talking things off the wall. I mean, absolutely crazy. In an institution, crazy, and just, just couldn't, you know, just didn't make any sense to anything that he had said. This pastor says, I didn't pray for him. They brought him to church. He came to church, sat there. He heard the word of the Lord. And as he heard the word of the Lord, the knowledge of the truth made him free. Absolutely, just totally delivered him in his thinking, his understanding. And he went from somebody who should have been in an institution to somebody who can just function like a normal human being. Thank God. I don't know about you, but I like that. That's what I'm looking for. Amen. And he wants us to share that with people. You say, well, that doesn't happen every time. Well, you know what? It can happen every time. I said it can happen every time. We should have this kind of attitude. It can happen every time. Because this Word is alive and powerful. It depends on the individual. When Jesus walked upon the face of the earth, there were multitudes that could have come and received from Him, but they did not because that was an act of their own will. They chose not to believe in Him. They, cho- they chose not as an act of their will, not to believe He was the Son of the Most High God. He was just... Just uh, Mary's son. We know his brothers and sisters and they're with us and we know him, them and him. And who is he? He's not nobody of great importance. Well, thank God, yes, he is. He's the son of the living God. He is the son of righteousness who has arisen with healing in his wings. He is the immaculate son of the most high God. He has come, died for us, was resurrected from the dead. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, the majesty on high, where he holds the highest position and office in all the universe. He is our Savior. He is our Lord, our King of kings, our Lord of lords. He is the Alpha, the Omega. He's the beginning, he's the end. He's the bright, the morning star. He is, the, uh, he is everything we want him to be in our lives, our Savior. He's Emmanuel. He is God who is with us. And you know what? He has the name and the only name under heaven given among men whereby we must be delivered and saved and set free. And you know what? All that belongs to us. You know, we've got so much from God. And the thing is, what are we doing with it? Oh, He wants us to rise up to a place where we learn how to cooperate with His Spirit. We learn how to put the Word and use it within our hearts and mouths as a sharp two-edged sword. How to proclaim truth in such a powerful way that we speak words that men have never heard before. And they can say of us as they said of the Lord Jesus Christ, My goodness, the words that He speaks. The words that He speaks are powerful words. Well, you know what? They really are. They really are powerful words because they're God's words. They're not ours. We're just mimicking our Father. We're imitating our Father God. Can you say amen? I am excited about the things of God. I am being changed from glory into glory. What about you? I am being changed from glory to glory by the power of God's Word and by the power of God's Spirit. And I'll tell you something. One of the most important things for us to do is to, to start ridding ourselves of selfishness and filling ourselves up with the love of God. Because that's how you monitor your spiritual growth and development. I don't want to live for myself. I don't want to live to fulfill my own selfish desires. I want to live upon this earth to please the Most High Father God. I want to live on this earth to satisfy Him, to do His will, to fulfill His plan, and to see to it that I am the person He wants me to be so that on that great day I can stand before His presence. He can say, enter into my presence. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. What about you? Amen. That's what your heart's desire should be also. We're going to continue in, in, in 
this teaching, sharing some things concerning divine healing and, and health. God wants us to get to the place where we know that these things are so and that they work. We know how they work. We're not just aimlessly going about trying to pray for somebody to see maybe it'll work. Maybe something will happen. No, God doesn't want it to be that way. He wants us to know how things work and how, how, how they operate so that we can be more accurate in doing what he would have us to do. And, and that's why we are going to continue in these areas of truth. We stated this. If, if we continue to preach and teach on a certain subject, we're going to have greater faith. Our faith will grow. Our faith will develop. It depends on our attitude. If our attitude is we heard that and we've heard that and we've heard that, I'm bored with it, then what happens is we're not going to grow. Our faith is going to decline or diminish. And it's of utmost importance that we have strong faith in the days in which we live. doesn't matter what day you live in. It's important to have strong faith and to have great faith. Why? Because that's how we get everything we need from God. That's how we operate in the things of God. It's faith that works by love that matters in Christ Jesus. That's what really matters. It's faith being energized by the love of God, what really matters in Christ Jesus our Lord. And God our Father wants us to, to, to be those that go lay hands on the sick. How many of you know that Jesus said in, his, in the Great Commission, go lay hands on the sick that they may recover? Didn't He say that? You know what? It's my responsibility, it's our responsibility to see to it that we are supercharged with the power of God. Why? So that we can lay hands on the sick and the power of God will flow out from us. And I know this, our responsibility stops right there. Once that power has left us and has gone inside that body and it, be, it begins its work, that work can and will be consummated, but a lot of it depends upon the person who receives that power. And if we'll realize that and, and start taking our place of responsibility and doing what God would have us to do, we're going to be more effective in you know, ministering the power of God and receiving the power of God and getting results. So let's quickly review some of the things and we'll go a little bit further. Number one, divine healing is not something that's automatic. It's not something that's magical. It is appropriated through the divine wisdom of God. It's not automatic. It's not magical. Just like medication has to be taken properly in order to produce results. Number two, we said that divine healing is the work of faith with power. It's not just power. And in Pentecostal circles, sometimes we get to the point that there's such power, then we get involved in emotionalism, and we miss out on the supernatural and the spiritual. And remember this. We can get unbalanced or overbalanced if we do that. We, there's a tendency to, to lean over toward the emotional, and when we do that, then it's not spiritual power that we're operating in. It's emotional power, and we take ourselves right out of the realm that God works in. He works in the spiritual realm, not the emotional realm. It's okay to get excited. It's okay to have your shout. But realize what it's all based on. It's based on the inward working of the Word of God by the Spirit of God within us. And we don't want to get to the place of emotionalism unless it's absolutely motivated by the Spirit of God. Thirdly, both faith and power can be present, yet people not be healed. It's the work of faith with power. Faith with power working together, and it can be present, but both of them can, but people not be healed. In other words, faith can be present and people not get healed. Power can be present, but people not be healed. Now, we stated that. It's so important. And we pointed out some scriptures that prove that. You can have the, the, the faith to be healed, but yet be there sick and not get well, not get healed, because we don't act upon what we believe. If we act upon what we believe, then you get results. If we don't act upon what we believe, and there are many reasons why people don't act upon what they believe. Sometimes it's guilt. Sometimes it's condemnation. Sometimes people feel unworthy to act. And they feel as though they haven't done enough for God. Of course, the devil has never told you that you haven't done enough for God. I know that, right? He's never told you that. No, he's always told you, you know, you're the best Christian in all the world. 
you are the most productive Christian I've ever seen. I mean, he's come around your house and said, you're just a productive, fruit-bearing branch in the vine. My goodness, what a great Christian you are. If anybody should be healed, it should be you. Isn't that what he told you recently? Just the opposite would be the truth. Every known reason that he has written down to tell you why you shouldn't get what God has for you. It's time to rid ourselves of the guilt, the condemnation, and the sin consciousness and rise up to a place of knowing who we are in Christ and say, You know what? I thank God that I am what I am by the grace of God, by the blood of the Lamb. I am not living my life by who I am in the flesh. I am growing. I am developing. But thank God I am leaning upon the righteousness of God. That is how I am walking, by who I am in Christ. And I tell you, that'll put in a flight every time. And you'll rise up to a place of greater confidence in God. We can have faith that's there and yet not receive because we don't act upon that faith. There can be power present yet. Although there's power there, with a lack of faith, we don't activate the power of God and it still doesn't work. So they have to be working together, faith and power. There was at one time called the faith movement and there was also the Pentecostal movement. And you know what God was trying to do? To get them together. Did you know that? There was emphasis over here on faith. There was emphasis over here on the power of God. And we're going this way and we're going that way. We believe in the Word. We believe in the Holy Ghost. Well, dear Lord, they're all for us. I believe in it all, don't you? And God is saying, get this and get this and put it together. You've got a dynamic force for God. A tremendously dynamic force for God. Put it together. That's what He's doing. And we don't want to shut ourselves off and shut God off and shut ourselves away from what God is doing upon the earth. We want to come together and put all things together and have this, this, these moves come together. So once again, we can have a dynamic force for God here upon this earth. Next, we said, it is faith that activates the power of God. It is faith that activates the power of God. We cannot forget that. We must remember that it's faith that activates the power of God. The woman with the issue of blood, through faith, made a demand upon the ability of God. And when we say that, we're just merely saying, you plug your iron in, you plug uh, your hair dryer in or hair blower in or whatever electrical appliance you plug into an outlet. And what happens? You make a demand upon that power. You make a demand. You're drawing from it. And the same thing is true here. By faith, we draw from the power of God. And faith is nothing more than something what we believe in our heart and say with our mouth as we receive knowledge from the Word of God. And when God says that this belongs to you, it's our responsibility to get it in our hearts and to get it in our mouths and proclaim it with a confident, strong, loud voice. Thank God I am what God said I am. Thank God I can do what He said I can do. I can impart the power and the life of God to others through the, contact, through the law of contact and transmission by laying my hands on the sick that they may recover. And the more I have faith in that and have confidence in that and believe in that, there will be a greater manifestation of the anointing power of God to heal the sick and set them free. Do you know that? That's how it works. That's exactly how it works. But I've heard some people say, well, you know, I, I lay hands on people and nothing ever happens. I know. You're having what you're saying. Nothing ever happens. Amen? Number five, we said, it's according to the power that's efficiently active within us that God does for us. If we have need of deliverance, if we have need of healing, and once again, if we have uh, the need to be a channel of God's power, God does for us according to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think, according to His miracle working ability that is efficiently active within our lives. In other words, we must activate His power within our lives in order to enable Him to do for us exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. And if we'll do that, 
That power, and this shouldn't be foreign to us, beloved. Say it with me. I'm born of God. A child of God. Filled with the Spirit. Full of faith and power. Here it is right here. We have the powerhouse within us. It's our duty, it's our responsibility to stir up the gift of God within us. That's not just a nice scripture to quote. That is something that he told us to do. It's instruction. Stir up the gift of God in you. Stir up the gift of God in you. You'll stir up the gift of God. You know what? If you'll do that, if I'll do that, we'll be full of faith and power. The power of God will be there on tap. And whenever we need a miracle from God, He'll be able to exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. Because we are doing what? Stirring up that gift that is within us. The power of God is, is being generated within our spirits as we yield ourselves and do what He told us to do. What did He tell us to do? Speak to yourself in psalms and spiritual songs and make melody in your heart unto the Lord that you may be filled with the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit. Filled. See, that's something that we do to benefit ourselves within so that we are full of of the life of God and filled with the power of God so that we may be used by God to channel that power to others. So these are things that we can do and we need to do to see to it that God's power is flowing. The next thing we said when it comes to healing was that wrong thinking and wrong believing and wrong speaking can short circuit the power of God and prevent the process from being consummated. In other words, the work may begin the moment we are prayed for, it may begin to flow. The power will begin to flow and the power of God will begin to work. But we can short-circuit the power of God through wrong thinking, wrong believing, and wrong speaking. And many times we have done that. And we have all been guilty of doing that. And there's, a, there's one illustration that I heard one individual uh, use along these lines. He was believing God for a, for a miracle of a financial need. And the thing that he needed from God, that he was believing God for, had not materialized in the natural realm as of yet. Well, the Lord showed him, after he aborted his faith, after, after he gave up on what he was believing God for, that the enemy devoured and took hold of what he was believing God for in a dream. And he saw that in that dream that the enemy stole what was rightfully his. Because he did not hold on to his faith confession, thanking God for what he had received until it was materialized in this natural realm, in this realm in which we live, it was taken away. The enemy got a hold of it and devoured it. Well, see, that sounds kind of far-fetched. Well, listen, beloved, spiritual things are real. And spiritual things will cause or create things in this realm of life. And the enemy can come in and intercept those things that belong to us and devour those things. What, what does he come for but to steal, kill, and to destroy our faith will work, so we should not give up on our faith. Our faith will see us through to the end if we'll stay in the realm of faith and believing God. And if we'll hold fast to our confession of faith, I believe I receive from God. And if we'll hold fast to that confession that says, I believe I receive and therefore I have. See, the distraction will always come to get us to, to look to the future realm. Well, don't do it. I believe I receive from God, therefore I have the, the, the need met even though you don't see it with your, with your physical eye. There's always that tendency to be led by our emotional feelings and our five physical senses. Well, beloved, it's time for us to become more mature in realizing that we can believe God out of our spirits regardless of what our five physical senses tell us. And you know what? We can, if God gave us opportunity to live on this earth for the next thousand years, do you realize that the same truth would be true? It would hold true right under the end? Absolutely. We still have to believe God by faith that we receive things before we ever see it in this realm of life.
Otherwise, we'll start speaking out against it and we'll short-circuit the power of God. Now, turn with me, if you will, please, to Psalms 107. We'll pick up number 7. Psalms 107. <clears throat> our thinking can be wrong, therefore our believing will be wrong, therefore our speaking will be wrong. And he said, you shall have whatsoever you say. If you find yourself always talking about how sick you are and how you can't overcome something, if I find myself talking about weaknesses and inabilities, I'll use myself. You know what? I'm going to possess what I confess. And that is the truth of the Bible. I'm going to possess what I confess. And my confession must be based on the Word of God and it must be in my heart. God's Word is not void of power. God's Word will be fulfilled in its season. It is the Word of God that has power within it and it's, it's an incorruptible seed. If we'll just act on that Word, we must... Focus our attention once again on the word of God's power. Why? Because that's how God sustains us, upholds us, maintains us, and propels us. That's how He heals us and delivers us. I thank God for all the other benefits and all the other different love gifts that He has provided us with. But most important of all, we must, in order to maintain permanent help and permanent deliverance, know what the word says about every subject, especially about healing and health. If we will do that, then the Word will begin its working within our lives. And when the psalmist said, quicken thou me according to the Word, that's what he was saying. You said this, and I know what you said. I'm not satisfied with that knowledge. I want it alive in me. I want it a life-giving force in me. I want it to be realized within my life. That's what I'm looking for. It's much more important that we focus in on these truths and, as I said this morning, chew on them thoroughly. Till they're well chewed. And then through meditation, digest them into our system until they're assimilated. And it'll do a whole lot more for us than reading over countless scriptures. If we'll do that, then, beloved, the Word will become alive. It'll be a reality within us. It'll reach out and even affect our physical bodies. In Psalms 107 and verse 20. He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Now, how did their deliverance come? By the Word that He sent. See, sometimes, once again, we are looking to other methods. But make note of this. Our faith is to be in the message of the Word, not in the methods that are used. The methods that are used are used only as a means of transmitting the power of God. But the message is what our faith should be in. And the Word is the message. The message when it comes to healing is that Christ died for us. Christ bore our sicknesses. Jesus Christ carried our pains. Himself took our infirmities. Himself bore our sicknesses. That is the truth that we need to meditate on, chew on it, meditate on it, digest it until it's assimilated and then it affects us in every area of our lives. That is the truth. Our faith should be in the message. See, always check yourself. Am I having more faith in the laying on of hands? Am I having more faith in the anointing with oil? Am I having more faith in somebody else's prayer than I am in the message that, of the Word that tells me that with His stripes I was healed? 
In other words, I must rise up to a place in faith where I believe that what God says is superior to my feelings and my five physical senses. God said that. That will never change. That will never change. Heaven and earth will pass away. Those words will never change. He bore that sickness. He carried that pain. We need to start saying that on a day-by-day basis. He bore my sickness. He carried my pain. Christ redeemed me from the curse of the law. He became the curse. He became poverty. He became sickness. He became death. He became cancer, tuberculosis, and and heart disease, and and high blood pressure, and every other problem, every other sickness, every other disease that can be named. But thank God, Jesus Christ became the curse for me so that I would not have to suffer those things in my life. I believe that. Now, we all do to a certain degree or a certain depth. Did you know that? But we've not arrived yet. It's, It's more important that we take the same truth, Ponder it, meditate it, by day and night, assimilate it until it becomes an effective force in all of our lives. So let's not just look to the methods that are used. Let's recognize that there's been a message given to us here in the Bible. And it says that Christ Jesus bore our sickness and carried our pains and became the curse of the law for us. And the more we'll focus in on that, And the more we'll say, he sent that word and healed me and delivered me from my destructions. Do you know what happened? Look at this. Verse 21. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness. See, healing is a manifestation of the goodness of God. The healing word is a manifestation of the goodness of God. Jesus went about doing what? Good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Oh, that men would praise God for his goodness. Father God, I praise you for your goodness. I praise you for your goodness. You sent your word and healed me. And you delivered me from my destructions. I bless you for your goodness. I thank you for your goodness. He would rather us say that than have us say all day long, I hurt. I have all this other stuff. Now, I realize we're, we're, we're hitting each other where we live. I understand that. How many of you know the human body doesn't want to respond to what we're saying tonight uh, on its own? When it gets tired, it wants to be tired. When it gets weird, it wants to be weary. When the head hurts, it wants to hurt. When the pain comes, it doesn't want to leave. When you wrench your back, you know, it, it, it wants a lot of time to recover and all that. And I understand that. We all know that. But we don't have to be dominated by that. What are we going to do with what God has done is the question. What will we do with it? Will we acknowledge that He sent His Word and healed us and delivered us from our destructions? Will we acknowledge that? And will we look further into it? Or will we want to be those that are distracted, caught up in other things that are really not that meaningful to our lives? So many want to get caught up in in future things to try to be the one to determine when Jesus is going to come back. And really, that's when He comes, He comes. I said, when he comes, he comes. You're not going to change it. I'm not going to change it. When he comes, he comes. Let's be about doing our father's business right now, living our own dispensation. And I'll tell you something else. You have an adversary that's coming against you designed to destroy your life, to, to, to close our mouths so that we don't tell people about the things that we know. Did you know that? And if he can get, take your life with any sickness or any disease, he'll do everything in his power to do it. Every, to, see the, to see to it that it gets done. Did you know that? He's not a respecter of persons either. He doesn't care who you are, where you come from. All he's concerned about is one thing, closing our lips. And I'll tell you something else. The more revelation you have, the harder he's going to work to close your lips. 
Do you see how frantically he worked to shut the mouth of the Apostle Paul? Because the Father God was working mightily through his life to impart revelation to the, to the hearts and minds of people that would set them free. So he worked frantically. But thank God we can say with the Apostle Paul, God's grace is sufficient. And there is an impartation of the life and nature and the power of God in our lives that He infuses to our spirits that makes us equal to any task. Thank God. But see, so you start sharing these truths and immediately people become highly offended. Why? Well, because in some cases it's just hard for them to grasp. And you know what, beloved? Don't ever look down upon somebody who cannot grasp this truth. We are never going to get everybody in the world to believe like we believe. But I'll tell you something. There are going to be those that want to believe and want to know. And they'll benefit by it. But others, if there's a difficulty, you know, as far as them receiving this message and understanding it, we still love them. We're brothers and sisters in the Lord. We're not pushing anything off on anybody. We love each other in the Lord. But we have a message that must be proclaimed, and we are not going to compromise that message. Amen? We know that God is God, and what God says is, and He said He sent His Word, and in the Word there is a message, a message of deliverance. He healed us and delivered us from our destructions. And He satisfies this mouth, our mouths, with good things. Good things, why? That our youth is renewed like the eagles. There's not just power to heal us in the Word of God. There is power to keep us healthy in the Word of God. I'll go beyond that. There's also power, just like He did for Sarah, to make that body renewed again so that she can have a child. There's power in the Word of God, if we put it in our hearts and mouths, to make Caleb strong and to do war and battle when he was 85 years old. It all depends, beloved, on our attitude toward the Word of God. It depends upon our commitment to do what? To put the Word in our hearts and in our mouths. And then the message of the Word will take over. I don't know about you, but I don't want to play church games. Do you? We want to accurately and properly use the methods to do what? To transmit the power of God as it has been given to us in the message of the gospel. For it's the gospel that's the power of God. Is it not the gospel that's the power of God? Paul the Apostle said it's the, the gospel is the power of God. That's what it is. So it's the message, you see. And you would do a whole lot more for somebody if we'll give them the right message because that message will see them through the rest of their lives. So God sent His Word to heal us and to deliver us from any destruction. And He wants us to praise Him and thank Him for it. And in verse 22, it's a wonderful work. Let's finish 21. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and His wonderful works to the children of men. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare His works with rejoicing. And that's what He wants us to do. Have we continued on a daily basis to thank God that we are redeemed from the curse of the law? Oh, but I know that, brother. You know what? It's not enough to know that. God doesn't want us to walk around just saying, well, I know that. No. He wants us to sacrifice praise unto Him. Jesus bore all that on the tree, became the curse. And you know what He wants to hear for for doing that for us? He wants to hear some praise. You ever do a good deed for somebody? And the nice thing they come along and say, boy, I appreciate that and thank you. Do something nice for your wife. Do something nice for you. And it feels good when they just say, thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, beloved, the Lord Jesus Christ became your curse. Became the curse for me, my curse. Anything I was cursed with, He became. You know, that's worth more than just saying thank you. 
That's worth having a joy unspeakable and full of glory that you shout and voice your praise and say, Oh, Lord God, oh my, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. A thousand times, a million times. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You bore that cancer. You bore that tuberculosis. You, you became the curse. You bore poverty. You bore sickness. You bore spiritual death. And now I'm alive and I'm not dead. And I'm on my way to glory and not damnation. Thank you, Lord. Oh, then men would sacrifice a sacrifice of thanksgiving. You know what? There is healing and there is a cure when a person begins begins to praise and thank God for what Jesus did on that cross. Did you know that? I know that for a fact. Praise and worship play a big part in keeping the operational power of God flowing to deliver and to keep people free from sickness and disease. You ever notice that when you have an attack upon your body, you're not a joyful person? The first thing that comes out of your mouth is not, oh, hallelujah. That's not it. But notice Paul and Silas in jail. You think their flesh was motivated to, sing, to, to pray and sing praises to God? Something to think about. They had some insights, didn't they? They had some tremendous insights into how to operate in the power of God. So they prayed. And I like that. You know why I like that? Because it, it didn't take a week for this to happen. They prayed. I like that. It teaches us faith. Well, now, Lord, here we are all bound up. But we know we're in the center of your will. I came here, I'm doing what you wanted me to do, and therefore I know that you are a responsible God. You are responsible to take care of me, to take care of us. Therefore, you said, if there's any time, any, any time, any time that we are in trouble, you said at any time we are to call upon your name. He knew that, being a Pharisee, he knew all about that. He knew about prayer. The thing that they possessed back then was they expected God to do something. Too often we pray today and don't expect anything to happen. I've had, I've had people saying that. I'm going to go up to the altar, but nothing's going to happen. It never does. Sure, something happened. You short-circuited the power of God before you came, and when you got up here, you didn't get anything. Exactly what you believed is exactly what you got. These men believed God. And therefore, when they were in trouble, they called upon Him. Does not the Bible say in Psalms 46.1, The Lord is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. You know what? It's time that we start realizing He is a present help. If I'm there and I'm in trouble and someone says, I'm here to help you and just stands there and watches me. What kind of help is that? That's not help. I said, that's not help. Just standing there watching me. Come on down here and get in this mud hole and help us, help me get this thing out of here. Come on, get your, you know, get your clothes dirty a little bit. Come on down here and let's get this thing out. Help me. Oh, beloved, can we believe that God would reach out of His hand and help us? In our time of adversity and trouble, we should. I said we should. We got to get to the place to the point that we know that there is power on tap. The power of God's right there. And there is a willingness on the part of the Father God to reach out and say, I am there to help you and roll up his sleeves. Say, let's go to work. He did that for them. Just took off his shoe and wiggled his toe and the jail doors blew open. That's what he did. And what happened? They were delivered and set free. But they had expectations of God's intervention. Is your faith level rising right now? Don't just pray that prayer and walk away thinking, well, you know, I prayed. 
Nah. If you knew that God would do something and was going to do something, you say, I prayed, hallelujah, thank you, Father God, for the power that's been released and transmitted. Your power is manifested. Your power is working. My body, her body, his body is responding to light, to health, to vitality and strength. Thank you, Father God. I praise you for your goodness. I praise you for your wonderful works, for your power. And just continue on. Because you know it's flowing and you know it's being made manifest and you know that the process has begun and it's going to be consummated as you keep the switch of faith turned on through your worship and through your praise. So that all that men would worship and praise him and bless him and thank him for his goodness and wonderful works unto the children of men. What a wonderful truth. What a blessing. You know, I, I want to go back to that one more time. And I, I sense in my spirit to do this. On that tree. Jesus became every ungodly thing that we can possibly imagine. Every form of sickness, every form of disease, he became. He became the cause. See, he bore the cause. Right to the root. That's what he did for us on the, on the tree. Since he did that for us, do we not owe it to Him to maintain a steadfast look at what He did until what He did becomes a reality to us? So often we want to be healed, but for wrong reasons. I can't be sick. Heavens, I've got to do this tomorrow. My goodness. See, that's not a right reason. No, the reason is I don't want to be sick. And the reason why I don't want to be sick is because Jesus became that for me. And I don't want to have it. I don't want to have it. Because if Jesus loved me so much that he became the cause of it all for me, then you know what? I want to set my love upon him. And I want to show him my deep appreciation and I want all that He did for me to be a part of my life so that His work is not in vain. We as believers need to maintain a steadfast look knowing that He sent His Word to heal us and deliver us and to know that Jesus became that curse on the cross for us to redeem us from the curse of the law until it sinks in deep within our spirits. And we have a greater depth of understanding and a greater depth of knowledge and knowing that, yes, he bore that. I'll tell you what results will be a whole lot better when we when we focus in on that. Faith will rise up within our hearts and will become stronger and we'll have greater confidence toward God. You know, it really it, this brings us to the next point. Just write it down that your next point is before the healing process really can begin to be effective. One must know that it's the will of God that everybody be whole. One must absolutely know that it's the will of God that they behold. Why? Because faith begins where the will of God is known. If we do not know the will of God, then we cannot possibly exercise faith. We're not in faith if we don't know the will of God. And I don't know how anybody can challenge or question the will of God if they really begin to look and see what Jesus did on Calvary's cross. And we have so many that try to refute the fact that healing is for everyone. 
I don't know why. But they do. Saying that not everybody should be healed. Because they're allowing their reasoning to be above the revelation of God's word. Jesus on Calvary's cross bore our sickness, carried our pain and became the curse. And that tells me it's the will of God for people to be free from sickness and disease. God has made the statement. God has done the work. It's up to us to do what? Two simple words. Only believe. Only believe. Only believe. Only believe. Believe. I believe that Jesus bore the curse, that Jesus became the curse, that Jesus bore this disease. I believe that he did. Therefore, I say that he did. And I say that he did. And therefore, I will not have this sickness. I will not allow this disease to overtake my body. And beloved, once again, these are truths. You can't run away with them. You just can't run wild with them. You've got to settle down, get to a place of maturity and get to a place where you realize and you know that it's a process that takes place within us as we yield ourselves to these truths. We get deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into the truth until it becomes more of reality to us in our lives. And that's why I'm saying I'm not going to stop talking about these things. I am not going to stop talking about these things. How many of you have recognized that when you've stopped studying about this subject that we know about, you stop that, that diligent study of it, your level of faith when it comes to overcoming sickness and disease has diminished. It, it did diminish. And you were not as effective in reaching out in faith to God. I, and I'm, I mean it. Be honest with yourself. How many of you have realized that? If you have, raise up your hand. But then you've noticed the more diligent you've become in reviewing those same truths, your faith level rose. Raise your hand if, if you found that to be true. So do you see the secret to faith? Faith does not come by having heard. Faith comes by constantly hearing the same truth over and over and over and over and over and over again. Now, in the world, people would say that's redundant. Well, you know what? As far as I'm concerned, we need to be like the Apostle Paul. I know nothing save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He has the cure for all sickness and every disease. And if, if this would be found there, do we call a chemist redundant because he, he runs the same test over and over and over and over? You call a doctor redundant because he takes a test and he didn't find it or he found this or didn't. So he takes a test over and over and same test over and over and over. A little bit different here. Just do it again. Take the same test over and over and over. And finally, after the umpteenth time, we found this. That's how we need to be, beloved. Over and over and over and over and over and over and more light and more light and more light and more light and more confidence and more confidence and more confidence. And before you know it, greater faith, greater faith, greater faith. Why? Because over and over and over and over and over. God's, God doesn't change. God's plan doesn't change. His way of healing doesn't change. His way of providing health does not change. As we do this, we are affected within our spirits. It affects us in our thinking. It affects the words that we say. And then finally, it affects our physical bodies because the tongue, as you know, causes this body to get in line. It'll line up. James chapter 3. So, Jesus bore our sickness. Jesus carried our pain. Jesus became the curse of the law. It's the truth that will, ne that will never change. And you know what? It depends on our attitude toward those truths.
That's what it depends on. Will we put those truths in our hearts and mouths and keep them there? Or will we say that we've learned them and there's no need to go over them any longer? No, we're going over them and over them and over them and over them again and again and again and again and again. Because then when the day does come that you need it, you know what? Faith will be there. I like the way someone said it. If you feed your heart or your, yeah, your heart faith with your mouth when it doesn't need it. In other words, you're, you're doing fine. You're well. Your body's whole and all that. But you continue to feed on the Word of God and feed your heart faith. Then there'll come a time when you do need it and your heart will feed your mouth faith. Amen. Amen. See, take the time to feed your heart faith when you don't need it, you know. But when the time comes that you need it, because you've filled yourself up on the inside, your heart will feed your mouth faith. And you'll see the Word of God coming out of you like a sword and cut that thing right out. Amen. Let's all stand before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.